Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Carmelina and Paul, the other Paul. Uh, I have to distinguish them somehow. Paul Brunner uh, for our uh, episode today. And this is actually a very sad episode because it's Carmelina's last episode after having been on for many episodes for a couple of years now. Um, we're sad to say goodbye to her, but she, I think she has a very good reason for signing off. Something about like marriage or something. I don't know. Something small, yeah. Something small. No big deal. So Carmelina just got married to Paul Brunner. And uh, so we're going to kind of dive into what it's like to be newlywed, because I know for a lot of young adults, they're discerning marriage, and that's the call on God's heart uh, and, and their heart, too. And sometimes you kind of enter into it with a little trepidation. Well, what's it going to be like? How's it going to change my life? How's it going to change my spiritual life? You know, what are the challenges? What are the joys? So I'd like to hear from this newlywed couple about what are the joys and challenges of marriage. So... Um, so you guys got married, what was your date? It was July August? 16th. July 16th, that's Feast right. Feast of Our Lady Our Mount Lady of Mount Carmel. Excellent. My favorite feast day. And then you guys, uh, do you guys do honeymoon somewhere? Cancun. Nice. It was great. Nice. Yeah, it must have been beautiful. It was gorgeous. And not very crowded, because I think it's crowded during spring break, but we went in August, so just pretty empty. Was it hot as blazes down there? It was pretty hot, but my skin tone can take it, Paul struggled a bit, but <laughs> the Irish runners, Austrian, Austrian. Yeah. You're Austrian. I didn't know that. Okay. So, so, so what's your experience in marriage been in the last three months? If you had to sum it up, I mean, obviously it's been awesome. I think you're still smiling and still together. I, I love it. it. It just, it was such a natural transition and it has been such a joy to just be with Paul in the fullest sense and learn from him. And it's amazing how God brings things full circle because I wasn't formed very well growing up and being only in public school. And Paul has had the exact opposite experience. So to live with someone and be with someone who is so rooted in the faith at all times has been such a gift for me. And I learn so much about theology and he teaches a class on marriage. So I learn about marriage and it's never in a pretentious way, but it's like, it's, he does it in such a loving way. And it's just this beautiful relationship where he really meets me where I'm at. And also Paul is just, I, I've never really met, I've met few other people who genuinely always only ever see the good in people. And just is so charitable and so kind and speaks so highly of everybody. And it's so refreshing to always be with someone who's just a little ball of light. I Really, I mean, it's so funny. That would probably drive me crazy. It, no, but it's not in like an annoying, like optimistic sort of way. It's just, he's always positive and has the happiest disposition and nothing can bring him down. He's really never having like a rainy day. And it's just so edifying for me. Mm. And he always, even when I'm having a hard day, he always directs me back to God. He's like, remember our higher calling. Remember that we just need to pray for God's will. And it, it's just been such a joy. And I talked to his mom about it. I said, where does he, where did he come from? Like, <laughs> has he always been like this? And she said, yeah, I used to call him my sunshine. Like he was just always so happy and so good. And I said, yeah, he's just like a little ball of sunshine. And it's 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 really been a joy. It's, marriage has its struggles, but really it's just, it's been a joy for me. And I look forward to coming home to him every day. And it's it's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great to hear. Wow, Mr. Sunshine, what are you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, I think when God is preparing you for something and calling you to something your whole life, and then he 
gives it to you as a gift and he, he pours out all this grace on you it's it's uh it's kind of hard not to be really happy and grounded where you are so i think as carmelina explained it's it's been amazing you know i think i was expecting a much more sober idea of marriage because so many people i mean I, my students and I have conducted hundreds of interviews over the years of married couples. And one of the big takeaways is how hard marriage is. And I think I was expecting it to be harder. Wow. Certainly high highs and low lows. Um, but, and, and another strange thing for the first few months of the experience was within a few weeks, I was telling people, it feels like we've been married for like six years. It's so strange how how normal it feels hmm. so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone wished me a happy one month and I was like, I responded with, it's only been a month? I feel like I've been married to him forever. It just, it feels so normal. Wow. That's a beautiful thing to say. That's, that's a really good thing to say. And, and Yeah, and I meant it in a good way. Like, wow, it's really, my life has completely right. changed and it's really only been a month? Yeah. That's funny, you know. I, I've spoken with many priests who say that, like, one day they kind of, kind of shocks them, like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a priest." I've, you know, whether it's a year in or six right, months in right. or whatever, and I've never had that experience either uh, of like being shocked because it was like it was so natural that, like, yeah, I'm celebrating mass. That's that's just like what I do. It's incredible. I kind of would like the shock experience though, because I wonder sometimes if I take it for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, I don't know if you guys feel that or, or wonder if like, am I taking this for granted? I think we take everything for granted. Right. I mean, just even the fact that we're called to be saints and we're called to holiness and God gives us all the grace necessary and we are, can have a relationship with God. I, that's just, I mean, that's something we take for granted every day. So I that's think we're, we're all guilty of taking so much for granted. Blown away. Sometimes when Carmelina is mm-hmm. complaining, I'm like, do you know how hard life was for 99% of all humans that ever existed? And you're going to complain about the peanut butter or something? <laughs> right, like, right. So that's very true. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, wow. I mean, even just that we live in a free society where we can practice our faith is a great blessing. That we're, that we're not at war like or, or, or getting... Um, getting um, invaded by Russia or something right now. For now, at least. It's a great blessing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and that, that is the truth. we got to take, for take not for granted, but take, uh, be grateful for all of that. So, so it, sounds, I mean, it sounds like you guys, your marriage has not had any challenges. Is that the case? Because I'd imagine most all marriages do have its challenges and force you to grow as a person. So how have you seen in your own life growth as, a, as just as a Christian, as a human being, because of your marriage? I think for me, it's, you, you can't hide. And I've, you know, when I went to college, that was the last time I ever lived at home. So I've pretty much been on my own since then. Mm. And I moved to a different part of the country, met new people, and it's really just been me. And when I'm having a bad day or feeling a certain way, I can't just go into my room and say, okay, I'm done because we live in a really small apartment right now and we're only ever separated by like one wall at all times, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing for marriage and we love it and it's the most amazing thing. But at the same time, it's like you really have to work things out. And 
You do give up your privacy. In a Absolutely. Sense. Yeah. And that's never something that I really desired anyway, because I just, I love people so much. And it's such a joy to know that I always have someone there all the time. He calls me Zelda because I follow him around. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he steps on me because I'll just like kind of walk behind him. He's like, that's what you get for being Zelda. But Zelda. Yeah. Because <laughs> she like followed the guy around. But, but yeah, it's, it's really a joy. But sometimes you really empathize with how Adam and Eve would have felt in the garden during the fall when God was searching for them and they sinned. Cause there's like this sense of like embarrassment when you sin or humility that, that has to happen. And that's something that I think can only happen when you're living with someone and you need to work things out mm. and um, you, you can't hide. You can't hide your faults. You and that's can't. exactly what Adam and Eve did. They, yeah. they hid from each other. They hid from God. And yeah, they didn't want to face the reality of what they had chosen. Exactly. And people make mistakes. We all do. And when you're married or and or you're living in a really small space when you're married, you, you have to work it out. And it, it requires a lot of humility, I think, and pride. But as much as that hurts when that pride gets cut away, it's necessary because that's the sanctification of the vocation mm. in the first place. Because there are some flaws that I've had in my life that would have never come out unless I was married, that would never be addressed unless I was married. And it's like, wow, like this is really sanctifying. And thank you, husband, for being so gracious to me as I, you know, learn about myself. And we can address them in the context of love, the fact that Absolutely. you know that Paul will never abandon exactly, you, and vice versa, that you know, no matter what you're working on personally, right. there's someone to still love you. Right. And that it, it goes back and forth and it's a give and take. And and yeah, so that that is challenging sometimes, but he's so loving and merciful and I'm pretty self-aware. So I know when I'm being unreasonable and I will apologize pretty quickly. <laughs> so um so yeah, it just it just works. And he knows like, you know, if I'm having a bad day or something, he's like, he's probably thinking, okay, she's going to apologize at some point. And I do like, and- <laughs> Give it a little time. Right. Yeah. So, but we, it just, you, you work through it. Iron sharpens iron. So. Yeah. 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 That's a huge uh, consolation. Uh, Carmelina always within a few hours apologizes if something goes drastically wrong and that's completely disarming. Um, and so, but I think she also knows that when she uh, is feeling any kind of bad way, my first response is going to be like, are you okay? What's the matter? And listening instead of, you know, it's it's all just like common relationship psychology stuff of just listen and try to figure out why she's upset. Let her get everything out. And then make her know that you are understanding what she's saying. And that will, um, for many, be at least half of the solution, uh, just being heard. I'll tell you, that that for for a lot of men, myself included, that's difficult. Because it's not natural. Because as men, we want to solve problems, right? Some, yeah, right, right. Yeah, which he does. But I think the other thing that really helps Paul and I is that we always know, because I think we had such a good friendship before marriage and relationship before marriage, and we were so united anyway, we both have a good understanding for each other's intent at all times. Mm -hmm. And that is huge, right? Like I always know that no matter what, whether or not I agree with Paul or not, his intent is always pure. I know that. And I trust that. And even if it's not what I think he should have done or something, 
that's kind of where the forgiveness stems from. It's like, I know his character. I know who he is. And I'm probably not seeing the full picture. So I know his intent is always good. And I think vice versa. He knows me. He knows my intent is always good, even if I do something that bothers him. So that's Mm. kind of where we always come back. It's like, at the end of the day, we know the purpose is to become saints. We know this is the person that we were called to be for us to get there. And I'm really starting to actually, it sounds really corny, but you can kind of see it. It's like in, in the vocation of marriage, it's like, wow, like our love can overcome a lot. And it's like a little baby nugget of love now because we've only been married for such a short time. But I just can't imagine like what God can continue to do through that as he lets it grow and replace that kind of like that that wine that they started with the wedding, that they started with at the wedding at Cana and like replace it with the better stuff, you know, because yeah. that's kind of the analogy that the priest who um, celebrated our marriage said. It was like, okay, you, you kind of have the, the first wine that will run out, right? The initial, you know. Excitement. Yeah, like, like yeah. the honeymoon phase, but then it, it runs out and it's replaced by the intercession of Jesus and Our Lady with the better wine and hmm. the more fruitful love. And so- that love that God, that those graces of that sacrament are, are really profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The graces of the sacrament are very tangible. Yeah. Instantly. At Absolutely. least for us, as soon mm-hmm. as we were married, while we were still in the in the in the mass after the the marriage, we we could feel the graces, specifically for me, and I think Carm will say the same, specifically the grace of having a, a much stronger desire and it was a, a desire that you know n- by no uh by no um merit of my own i had before of wanting to give myself and wanting to l- just be a living sacrifice uh but the the degree changes instantly uh, of just wanting to give your life completely uh for the other and, and mm. for others in general, um, and I, instantly. I would even go a step further and parallel what I said when I had a really powerful reversion back to the Catholic Church. And I would, I would call it not just a feeling, but a state of being. Like you, it was a state of being and like a disposition of heart change, I think, to that would that I am incapable of doing within within and of myself. Yeah. To desire to lay down my own life for my husband, partially because I was discerning that anyway and praying for that anyway, I think. But still I think that was a huge grace and that humility of like, no, like I need to give up my life and the marriage is the cross. So that is that's exactly the key when when people ask uh, what what is the key to marriage it's loving like jesus on the cross mm-hmm. and you know how do we do that well we just we that's all a gift so we have to receive the grace we have to go get the grace wherever that is and we all know where that is it's in prayer and the sacraments and yeah living a virtuous yeah. life and and so well, just go and get the free gift and uh, that's that's what's necessary. So when people say, you know, how do I live a good marriage? Well, um, receive the Eucharist. That's, that's how you get the grace. Amen. Amen. 
It's interesting to hear that you say that you've you felt the grace, right? You know, right. yeah. No, it's and and what a that's gift not that really is. the normally, but what it's to to explain what I mean is it wasn't some woo woo thing where you know I go to adoration and I feel a consolation and I make it into my my faith is about feelings now. Um, it was. I felt a strong desire to give myself uh, uh, as a sacrifice and and make my entire life just for her uh, as a gift. Yeah. Um, and, and that desire is a grace. So I felt the grace. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So so it's kind of a clarity of understanding what your life's purpose is from now on. Right. right. Really, it's, it's about oriented towards the other person, towards yeah, their sanctification yeah, just, and just yours. A, a loss of... A loss of the uh, remnants of of desires for the self. Mm. That's beautiful, and that's a gift. That is not. That's absolutely that a gift. Have. Yeah, that's for sure. Right. That is definitely a gift. Yeah. So speaking about kind of like living out your vocation in the future, you know, what is wh- where do you guys see yourself in five years, ten years, and and obviously, you know, we can talk about it on the spiritual plane of hopefully having less vices and more virtues. Certainly that's God willing, the, you know, the gift in 10 years, but even on a, on a physical level, you know, do you anticipate staying in Stanford? Do you, you know, want to buy a big house together? Cause you said you had to live in a really tiny apartment, <laughs> you know, do you anticipate, you know, three kids in a picket fence or like, what, you know, what are you thinking future wise? Or are you just kind of laying it in God's hands and just whatever? I think it's great to have plans. Um, but it's also great to realize that God always has a better one and to kind of just keep feeling out where he's calling you to in each moment. Um, and so we plan, we certainly plan, but we are completely, we try to be completely detached from those plans so as to be passive and open to whatever God is calling us to. And we talk about stuff, I think like every couple just what kind of house would you want? Where would you want to live? And I've I've noticed that in my own discernment, not even with other things outside of marriage, that when I start to feel like I'm spinning and getting into a circle and just, then I'm like, oh, well, I, if I want those dreams, I need to be in a certain spot that I'm not. And then I get like anxious and I'm like, okay, well, that's probably not where God wants me. And <laughs> Definitely so, not anxious, no. And then I'm just reminded of like, wow, I never thought even a few months ago that we would be here in this state. And even when we first saw this place that we're living now, we were like, okay. And we weren't very like, it was just, we were just pretty indifferent about it. And it ended up being the most perfect place for the state of life that we're in now. Like I would not, even if we had the option to have a bigger house, I I would not even want it because of how Mm. happy we are where we are now. And it's just been such a joy and, we're really open and we we hope, you know, Lord willing to have children and I've always wanted a big family and we have no idea where we're going to live. I love Connecticut, but God could call us somewhere else, even if it's for a temporary time. And we just really try to be open because honestly, we talk about all the time, like if we weren't open, we would have never married each other. Yeah, so that's true. It's that like, wasn't part of your plan. <laughs> it, absolutely not. No, never. And so it's just so important for us to keep our eyes open. And we know we're very, very much at peace where we are now. And we we just call it like our little life and our little home. And we call it our little nest because it's just our little cozy spot. And that's awesome. We love it. And 
So you yeah. had you had mentioned about you know children. Of course, marriage is ordered to two children mm-hmm. to the you know procreation education of kids. What are your thoughts about that? Are you are you kind of nervous about how you'll be as parents? Or you... I I know that Paul will be the best dad ever, and he is just so good. He's so good with his niece. He's good with his friends, his kids. He understands psychology. He, well, he is works a with leader. teens full time. He works so. with teens. He has the <laughs> so patience. He has a level of Catholic patience. High exactly. He has a level of patience that I have rarely seen out of anybody. And I just know he's going to be the biggest ball of love and be a spiritual leader and a firm leader and a protector. So I, I am so excited, you know, whatever God, wills we're open to anything and it it makes us nervous and I always think about one like kind of mentor of mine she said marriage and kids are going to be the best thing you ever do and she said that to me before I got married and I was like you really think so like because you don't really know something until you're in it yeah and now that I'm married I'm like wow I see that now okay I can't imagine what love happens like when you have children like what that experience would be like just it's probably mind blowing. So that's just kind of how we think about it. We would be excited and definitely open to anything. So we'll see. I don't know. Certainly we're called to populate heaven. (laughs) That's for sure. uh, It's, you know, the first command God gave Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And so a friend asked me yesterday, are you, uh, you know, making plans for having children, having, having babies, and having a family, and I said, God is making plans for that, and we're just listening. Mm. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that. That's that's got to be. And I, you know, I have spoken with lots of parents. It's it's one of the greatest, much like marriage, one of the greatest blessings and one of the greatest crosses to have kids because yep. you have your heart walking around outside your body. And, yeah. And as cute as they are, they can really be a mess. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, it can't be easy, and I, I don't think anyone would say that. And uh, I think it it kind of feeds into this theme uh, that has come uh, come through in our conversations today of of difficulties and challenges. And and I think my response is always, well, what life is there without challenge? And I, I've asked so many people with young kids is life happier before or after children not one has said life was happier before children a lot of people say it's easier or it's more fun before children but not one has has uh said it's happier before them yeah that's very true and and in a very real way i I have always seen the idea of manhood being to to accept responsibility on behalf of others right so you want people that you can lay down your life for. You want people that you can lead and that you can defend, that you can protect, that you can provide for. And it's just a calling of every man's heart. And so to have not only a wife, but children as well that you can lead and protect and guide and lay down your life for is, is the fulfillment of manhood. It's, it's also part of being made in the image and likeness of God. We can bring life into the world. That is a mind-boggling thought. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're helping God do something that only God can do. Right. You know, that he won't do without your consent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, co-creators, essentially. Yeah, that's, ah, man. And and this that this life is not just like ba- making a piece of art that's going to die in a, you know, a few years. This is right. some, something that's going to literally, literally live right. forever. Right. And mm-hmm. also, like God, we are not going to create something and abandon it so that, you know, I think the part of 
that essential uh, end of marriage of of being open to procreation is you know people just think that means have babies it means to also raise the child especially in the most important things i.e. the faith yeah yeah to get them to heaven making saints and i think a lot of parents today parenting is changing a lot uh it, today and it's constantly changing but um i think a lot of parents are concerned with a lot of things that may not necessarily help the child get to heaven mm-hmm. because they think it's important and it may very well be. It's just nothing can get in the way of that. Nothing can can get in the way of the child's relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. That's very true. That's very true. And I mean, certainly sports is a big one that parents put a lot of emphasis on or get a good education and this or that. But I mean, at the end of the day, are they saints? That's the only... right. The only thing that that looks like a successful life, really. Yeah. We spend more time actually probably talking about that. Like, what types of activities would we do? Because I said, I I don't know if I could do all of the sports and the travel and everything that I went through as a Division One athlete. I would say you were a softball player. I I, I, don't know if you'd want that for your daughters. I don't think so. I don't know. You have to also wait and be patient, too, because you're... Your each child is going to want something different too. If you have a plan, oh, my kid's going to do fencing or play the tuba, <laughs> they may have no interest in that. Right. I like chess. I don't know how to you play. You like chess. <laughs> but I, I'd like my kids to learn. My dad for my 15th birthday gave me a toolbox with a hammer and tape measure because my dad's really big into construction. And he, <laughs> he renovated part of our house and built a deck. And I'm like, dad, what is this? <laughs> I am not into that at all. <laughs> And so God bless him. I don't know whatever happened to it, but I never used him once. <laughs> but you had the opportunity. And I think that's good for kids to kind of be exposed to a bunch of stuff, see what sticks. Absolutely. 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 And I had other things in common with my dad. We both played piano. We both loved baseball. So Nice. Yeah. Piano's nice. Piano's I think, I think he was betrayed, though. <laughs> the fact that I didn't like to build stuff. It's okay. So... You know, let me just ask a couple of questions, just really more for our listeners so you can give them some advice. You know, I know a lot of um, young adults kind of are waiting for a soulmate. You know, there's this, and, and I don't know what your thought is as to whether or not God has one specific person in mind for you, or if you can be compatible with a large number of different people. Because I know if people are dating, they're kind of like, is this my soulmate? I don't know, you know. What are your thoughts on that? As far as I've heard, I don't think the church has a any teaching saying that, you know, there's a soulmate per se. And I have heard a lot of priests say that, you know, you can certainly be happy with, with more than one different person out there. Uh, however, you know, at the same time, um, this concept of, you know, maybe God has prepared somebody before the beginning of time and sort of created them with you in mind I think that's certainly plausible. Uh, but that said, you know, free will still exists and and uh, things happen and sometimes, you know... Uh, yeah, if that one soulmate reason, mucked it up, you know. Right, exactly. Yes. And you turned and down you a bad path. If, and, um, so I think you can certainly be happy with, with, with many people. I think it's hard to find one decent person out there, though, you know, sort of <laughs> like uh, the problem that uh, some of the prophets had. Uh, find one decent person in this city kind of thing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but I think a lot of people have very high expectations of a significant other, mm. um, especially when you are rightfully dating for marriage. 
So you kind of won't even give somebody a chance unless you could see them as like the ultimate person for you to marry. Yeah. And so um, if you find someone who's faithful, honest, and charitable, uh, there's not more you can ask for uh, reasonably and think you're going to have a ton of options. Yeah. I, I do wonder sometimes if, if certain young adults have too long of a, a list of like characteristics that their their future Perhaps. spouse needs to have and yeah and it's hard to find someone that meets everything prince right. charming is already taken you know it's like right, right, right. something that i tell a lot of my friends that that really helped me when i was dating was write literally write down what your non-negotiables are so that way you have like paul was saying is he is he honest is he faithful and if he's not faithful is he at least open to the faith is it just because of some past thing that he's not practicing for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and just find those non-negotiables and bounce people off of that. Um, And that's kind of how I was really open to Paul. I thought, wow, there's no reason why I shouldn't be dating him. There's no reason why I shouldn't because he meets everything I would have ever wanted. Everything that I'm not willing to compromise on, he has those things. Yeah. And that's just kind of the step forward. That's beautiful. So, and at the end of the day, I, I, marriage is a choice. And we both have to choose that person and to love that person and to die to ourselves in that vocation. So I I think that in and of itself would constitute multiple people one could be potentially happy with, especially if you're married with the grace of the sacrament and both faithful and trying to pursue sainthood. So, because it is a choice. Some other advice that I would give is, um, you know, if you're looking for for someone with those qualities, I think most people would agree that among the top three uh, that I hear the most often are communication, trust, and charity. You know, someone who has those three things. And it's the same thing uh, that I said before, um, I think on an earlier episode, which was you find those people in church. Or especially hmm. if you're like, I want to marry someone that's a daily communicant. Well, go to daily mass and that's where you'll find them. <laughs> right. um, Very true. And the other piece of advice that I would give is figure out what type of person you want and then ask yourself, what type of person would I have to be to attract that type of person? Hmm. And then work on yourself and become you know, become the, the most virtuous version of yourself you can because in, in marriage you're giving yourself as a total gift. And so what kind of gift do you want to give to your spouse, mm. the, the best version of yourself? And so a, a lot of people out there have some very strange strategies on dating or how to attract a spouse. And really the, the only one that makes any sense is to become the best version of yourself. Yeah. As the Dove Chocolate says, your vibe attracts your tribe. It's true. And that's not something that should be stopped in marriage either. Like Paul and I really try and like take care of ourselves too, because it's, that's not just like something to do to attract a spouse, but it's also something it's, it's good to be healthy for your family. It's a gift. It's a gift of yourself. It's it's healthy and everything. The best version Mm -hmm. of yourself to give as a gift. So self-improvement is, is an act of charity. if, If you are being called to give yourself totally, which everyone is in some way or another. That's true. That's very true. Yep. Well, those are some great pieces of advice. And thank you both very much. And thank you, Carmelina, for all the many episodes you've been on. We will miss you. It's been a and joy. Paul, this is, I think, your fourth episode. So we're, you're practically one of, <laughs> one of our regulars, too. But we wish you well in your married life and continue to live as that beautiful example of Christ's love for his people and Christ's love for his church. 
You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.